This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Ah, uh, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? <laughs> Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Lady Lounge. Ah, shit. Far out, woman. What's got Sandy in your clam now? Sandy in my clam! Hello, labial ledge hammers. How you doing? Welcome back to the lounge uh, for another Sandy Clam Epi. I've got a friend of mine, Heidi, as a guest today. She's a sex and intimacy coach who I've known for a few years now and who's always been just such a massive supporter of me and my work and I'll often get hilarious little voices or vulnerable anecdotes that she sends me and just messages of support and check-ins. So I just... Super duper appreciate her friendship and, um, yeah, like her opinion and her views are really great. So I was like, all right, let's do a Sand in My Clam episode um, and chat about something that's close to her heart and quite relevant to her focus in her work. So welcome, Hides. Hi. Nice to be here. Um, so do you want to tell us what your idea was for a topic that we're going to chat about today? Well, yeah, absolutely shits the hell out of me when people think that women after menopause can't, don't, and don't want sex because it's absolute bullshit. I've never had better sex mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's kind of like it's in all, <laughs> yes. if you Google it, it's in all, you know, it just pops up why women don't want sex on, you know, after menopause, all this kind of stuff. And there's hardly anything about what mm-hmm. actually being more interested in sex or having better sex or being able to navigate the changes to make sure you have better sex and things like that. So, yeah. Mm, Totally. And this is sort of emerging. I remember getting an email from you ages ago just sort of saying that quite naturally this uh, niche was emerging for your work uh, around like sex and libido in later life, right? Yeah, and also couples who aren't having sex. Um, so it, it, the niche yes. is like it's often to do with peri or menopause, postmenopause, but often it's men in midlife as well because they seem to have things go on as well and need a little bit of help. So I think it all comes down to people being really, really busy and stressed and that affects your sex life. 
So mm. maybe in midlife mm. things kind of get a bit more intense in terms of sex and career and all that kind of stuff maybe mm. takes over um, or other other things that are really important mm. to people. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I – so it's, yeah, it's kind of a niche yeah, yeah. that's evolved through – what my experience is, but also just kind of seeing a gap from people. You know, I've got friends that I've got good friends that don't have sex anymore because they've been through menopause and they don't think they're meant to have sex anymore. And they're like, oh, that part of my life's over. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not over. You just, <laughs> it's a mindset thing, you know? Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and like I, I spoke about this on an episode with Jane Hardwick Collings that I did on menopause actually and we were talking about, yeah, this narrative that we've all been sold and, you know, bought into that once you're older, once you go through menopause, you don't want sex, your libido disappears, you dry up and your badge is all atrophied and, you know, your ovaries are prunes. And I was sort of talking about how even though that is like categorically not true like there's actually um i think there's quite a few studies that actually shows that in like healthy happy women um and that is the key being healthy and happy as well because health issues will come into libido but yeah healthy happy women there's no significant decline in libido um once they've gone through menopause uh no decline in like frequency of intercourse genital responsiveness you know ease or difficulty reaching orgasm sexual satisfaction all of that um but even even though that's what the studies are saying, we all believe that, oh, old people don't have sex or, like, once you've gone through menopause, you don't want to have sex because you can't procreate anymore. So, like, you know, if you're not fertile, where's the drive to have sex? And that mindset makes us, therefore, not feel as sexy or sensual or not feel like having sex because it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy and we've kind of all already written it off and we're, like, resigned absolutely. to that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's this kind of thing where that you know, it's patriarchal. We're no longer baby-making machines walking around, mm. so therefore we can't possibly want sex because all we really wanted sex for was having babies anyway or all this kind of bullshit. And sure, the libido changes in that I no longer no longer ovulating, I no longer have to lock myself in a room on the full moon because I'm going to make the wrong decision because that was me. <laughs> Before I had kids, I would be like so horny when I was ovulating that I'd make some really bad decisions. Don't have that anymore. There's not much of a – there's a little bit of something at, at the full moon still, but it's not like a massive peak. But but it's more that my libido and, and a lot of my friends, you know, who are having good sex in this at this age group, it's more kind of just this low hum. So you can decide to act on it rather than have to act on it. And it doesn't dip as much. You don't have those days where you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I just don't want sex. You don't have that for some reason. So you you just have this little hum going on was like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel good in my body, could have sex, could self-pleasure or could paint a picture or, you know, get a job or, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you need to use that creative energy for. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess because you don't have the fluctuations of hormones and that, that can be quite tumultuous. That can, you know, they can surge and make you horny and fuck people, make terrible decisions, and then they can completely abandon you and all of a sudden you have no libido and that's part of having a menstrual cycle. But once those hormones disappear or level out, you are on a much more even keel and so it sort of um, plateaus allowing you to have more, uh, I guess, 
Hmm. More consistency. What, what do I want to say there? Consistency, guess, maybe. Yeah, consistency and agency mm. over your yeah. like you're in control a bit more rather than mm. being ruled by your hormones or by the fluctuations. Um, and a really cool fact, I think I said this in the menopause one as well, but um, regarding hormones with uh, menopause, the what is it F. FSH, uh, the neurotransmitters, FSH and LH, so follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, once you've gone through menopause, they actually stay permanently elevated for the rest of your life. Um, so, yes, all the, you know, the estrogen and testosterone, all these other um, hormones that are fluctuating throughout your menstru- menstruating years, they aren't doing that anymore. But the FS- FSH and LH actually are really high during ovulation which is when you're the most fertile and when you're the most horny so there's not like a you know a study that's like this definitely means that them being present in menopause means you're going to be more horny but it's a bit of a correlation that I know a few researchers have pointed out um, that because those are quite high during menopause and they're also quite high during ovulation you know it would makes sense if you do still retain a fair bit of desire to have sex because you're not Mm. completely devoid of every single hormone you know um yeah and maybe nature just wants us to have some pleasure because pleasure is so good and healing for us and it's you know really a good thing i do notice the absolute change in myself from having less estrogen in my system like i've just got so much less fucks like I just do not give a fuck anymore and it's so empowering I'm like no like the word no is so much easier now that I don't have this hormone of accommodation and sacrifice and so that's something nice for your younger listeners to listen to look forward to because really it's like so empowering stepping into that also to the point of being like to use your term more, more of a pillow princess like i I'm like, if you can, yes, you can come over if you pleasure me, but no, I'm not giving you a blowjob. You know what I mean? It's just, it's about me now for the first time. It's about me rather than doing all the things Mm -hmm. to accommodate someone else. And and that's across the board in my life, but also very much in bed. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Well, that was what I was going to say is like, once you don't have that sort of people pleasing, you know, putting other people's needs before your own and self-sacrificing that comes from the estrogen making you more accommodating, I feel like you're not going to, in every aspect of your life, you're not going to take any shit and you're going to be a lot more discerning, but you're going to be more discerning about the lovers that you have. You're going to be, you know, able to think more clearly about your standards and what you will and won't settle for in sex and therefore, you know, probably you're going to be having way better sex um, one, because you're better at choosing partners and you're not going to put up with any bullshit. Two, you know you know what you want. You've had a shitload of opportunity to practice and gain experience because sex is a skill. Pleasure is a learnt skill. So the older you get makes sense to me that the better at sex you get and the better at choosing partners, um, the better you know your own body, the better that you understand your needs and what you like, what you don't like, the better you are at communicating that with a lover. Like all of that pretty much like translates to me as just you've had way more practice and you're way more familiar with your body and your needs and with sex in general. So I kind of feel like sex should surely get better as you get older. Yeah, yeah I've really been having sex for a long time now. 
<laughs> when I think of it that way, it's, yeah, many decades. Um, yeah, and also the, there is a shift in the kind of sex you want. Like I'm less focused on my orgasm now, even though I can have an orgasm or t- 10 or however many that happens depending on what's going on. It's really not like I'm not hankering after that orgasm anymore. I'm, I'm hankering after the subtle pleasure. That's what gets me going, the, all the little, I don't know, it's something about my pussy after menopause. Me, I just feel more than I used to. So I don't know why I feel more oh. more pleasure. And I don't know if it's the training I've done or, or if it's something in myself, but there's more subtle pleasure and those subtle pleasures are epic. You know, they're not like, someone's banged you over the head with a brick kind of orgasm it's just this you know this beautiful energetic kind of stuff going on so yeah Mm. yeah and I feel like one of the you know uh one of the big mm, barriers to female pleasure that lots of studies cite is um fear of getting pregnant absolutely uh, the consequences you don't have that, so you're not in your head worrying about that. Also, a massive one, barrier to pleasure, I mean, that I talk about with clients all the time, is self-esteem and worrying about like what people think of you, what you look like, what you taste like, how you're performing. I feel like as you get older, you give less fucks and you've got higher self-esteem, maybe not always, but you know, it would make sense that because you're less distracted by these pesky fears and insecurities that we are plagued with in our youth, you're going to be having better sex because you're not distracted and you're able to be present with the pleasure in your body and not be stressed about that other shit, you know? Absolutely. And just being more communicative. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, mm, yeah. Not, not being able to get pregnant is fucking amazing. <laughs> the only other time it's like <laughs> is when you're pregnant it's really great having sex when you're pregnant because you can't get pregnant because you already are. It's kind of a bit like that. <laughs> you've done it. Yeah. You've had all that and yeah. so now you've got this freedom. <laughs> but the other thing, the communication is like, um, you know, like I will point out to a lover, I'll be like, hey, that scar tissue there from, you know, birthing. And I, I don't care. Like I'm, It's like I'm showing a scar on my hand or something. It's just like this is an yep. area that lead, that needs, you know, more gentle or this is, you know, I need extra foreplay because of this or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can, can't even imagine when I was younger talking about something that was, yeah. you know, less than perfect about my pussy and just pointing out, hey, go gentle, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's empowering to yeah, be able to say, hey, totally. this is a pussy that's had a couple of babies and, you know, she's a bit because scar tissue <laughs> can play up a little bit after menopause because yeah. you know things shift so you do you know if you do have some mm-hmm. episiotomy or tearing scars or something you do have to you absolutely have to be more warmed up than when you were younger and which is great because so-called foreplay I mean mm-hmm. is there a better word for por- foreplay pre-penetrative sex is epic and we want as much of it as we want right. and can get yes <laughs> yes yeah exactly and you're not going to be able to I feel like you know when you're all young and just drooping all the time and I mean I don't think I was ever particularly I'm not a super wet person it takes quite a lot and that's just just differs from person to person but a lot of people that I speak to are like I remember when I used to be young and I just got so wet so easily and I used to be able to just have sex straight away and I was like I don't think that's a good thing that means that you are having sex 
before the penetrative sex before your body you know is ready and and foregoing all of the other stuff that you could be doing um whereas it's almost like you can't get away with that once um once you're older you have to be more discerning and you have to Mm. respect your body and make sure that your pussy is treated with reverence and care and time is taken you know you've got to go Mm. at your body's pace whereas I feel like when we're younger and this is with anything it's like we think we're invincible we throw our bodies around we take risks we jump into things before we're ready it's like that with sex you know and Mm. that's not actually a great way of going about it and maybe that's why the sex is better after menopause or you know once things start shifting if you are you know have enough agency to say hey we need sorry I need 30 minutes of cunnilingus thank you very much you know if you are able to say that because I certainly wasn't when I was young you know that you'd get the obligatory little licking to make you wet for a minute or three if you were lucky and then ram it on in and it's you know there's no fucking way I would do that now and I have, you know, in the last few years had a few lovers that have kind of tried that on me. And I'm just like, wait, wait a minute, mate. No way. I'm not ready. Oh, I thought you were ready. No, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's so much more than that, you know. Otherwise, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, babe towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content, unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. So why do you think that there is this misconception that I don't, I don't you know, I've, that older people don't like sex? I think it's partially, um, and I don't have this issue with thinking about old people having sex and being disgusted. I'm not disgusted by that. I'm just not. And I actually don't think I'm old either, but whatever. <laughs> I'm 52. But, um, but, yeah, it's, no, just like you just, you're only as old as you feel. And I feel like I might be mid, midlife. I want to live to 108. So, yeah. <laughs> but also I think it comes down to that whole specific. thing as, as we think, you know, we have been conditioned to think that we're here for men's pleasure and we're here for making babies and um, continuing the species and, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. old pa- patriarchal stuff. So it's probably yeah. A, yeah. a bit of that. Mm. You know what, I, th- I yeah. think that women yeah. seem to think that they're going to lose interest in sex more than men think that the women are going to because I've, you know, I right. attract 
younger lovers often, and I'm trying to stop that because there's not much <laughs> scope for me hanging out with 38-year-olds. For some reason I attract 38-year-olds, but they only want to shag an older woman, you know. Um, really, whatever. I mean, it, you know, it might be nice for a few months, but, but exactly after a while you're like, hey, I wouldn't mind a bit of some commitment or something, you know. It's not going to happen with a young guy. Maybe they're the ones that are commitment phobes as well. Who knows? But um, but yeah, it's they don't seem to think that women my age are not up for it. Mm. Mm. Well, I think because also, regardless of age, there's already a narrative that we all buy into that women have lower libido than men in general. You know, yeah. so then we're thinking, oh, I've already got a lower libido now. Once I get you know go through menopause, it's going to just give up the ghost on me. So it's kind of like the messages that we've been receiving our entire lives, even if we don't buy into that when we're younger because we're like, well, that's bullshit. I do have a high libido or I do love sex. We're still probably anticipating it going away when we get older um, for some reason. Yeah. And I think like the whole thing about people being grossed out by old people having sex, like totally. I reckon that's a big part of it because we're sold this, um, you know, idea of, conventional beauty and sensuality we think of it in this super narrow way that's like driven by the media and consumerism and we think that that means youthfulness and so the idea of being old isn't beautiful or sensual and therefore sex is gross when we think of that and I'm just like oh bullshit bullshit (laughs) yeah it's crazy and so I'm very careful with who I follow on Instagram I make sure I follow people who are not like me I, I follow people who I aspire to that, you know, be like when I'm older. I even, you know, I'm also a yoga teacher, so I only follow like um, black women yogis for sake because they are so un- underrepresented. Um, follow people who've got um, various disabilities and things like that just to have in my feed a range of mm. variety of humans, including a lot of older That's women great. who are fully in their sexuality. And there's this... I don't know her name. It's an Italian name, but there's this older, much older woman, Italian lady, who's like getting out and doing like twerking and stuff like this. She's like a, she's like a grandma, and it's just so refreshing because she's right in her body. She's right in her her feminine sexual nature, but but she's you know she'd be seventy five or something. It's great. So yeah, amazing. <laughs> mm. Love that. Um, and something else that I was thinking uh, of, I heard a, I heard it on a podcast recently. They were talking about how back in the day, Hippocrates believed that the uterus was this predatory thing that wandered around the body seeking moisture yes. from a man's semen create pregnancy and you know it had this life of its own and and it wandered around the body it had this need for seed that caused the woman yeah who had the pesky womb the desirous you know womb to want sex because you know that womb be thirsty um and obviously to this like prudish kind of these prudish man babies back then this was preferable to attributing hormones and sexual desire or sexual agency to the women themselves. And so... Oh, yeah, you can't have a woman wanting something, yeah. (laughs) No, it just must be her, like, uterus that's making her want sex only to create a baby. So then that sort of set in motion this narrative around female sexuality that if your womb wasn't able to bear children anymore, it wouldn't desire sex. Therefore, a woman wouldn't have a libido once she was older because she's not fertile anymore. And I feel like that 
narrative begin like that started there that really pervades our society even now um in varying ways would you agree with that yeah i think it comes down to this whole thing of women as being passive and pure this whole pure thing i don't know if it's christian or, or what but this idea that we are pure and unsullied so if you get a woman who's slutty and wants it all the time that's is something you know scary and a bit demonic or carly-esque about that and um and sure one mm. half of culture is going to love it anyway but, you know because we don't all do it as we're told but um but yeah to be able to attribute it to to that you that gobbling up uterus that wants everything and also along this i feel that there's a link there you know how we're told we are hormonal beings and we are very hormonal beings in a way but you know that kind of idea that um, your hormones are to blame for libido, yeah. And once you really don't have these crazy levels of of hormones and, and change in your hormones, and you still have libido, well, then that kind of disproves it in a way. So, mm-hmm. which of course contradicts what I said earlier about having to lock myself away when I was ovulating when I was younger, but um. <laughs> Well, they play a role, but they're not the be all and end all. They're not. Know? Like they're, not. they're important and they do contribute, but it's it's not like our libido purely stems from our hormones and hormones alone. You know, yeah. we like pleasure. It's you know healthy for us to have sex. I feel like you know you like if you were to in a nutshell, you know, just debunk the myth that older people don't like having sex or don't have a libido, like. I mean, you kind of did in the beginning. You're like, I love sex. But, yeah, what would you want to sort of leave listeners with as a bit of a message around this topic? What do you tell clients? You know, what do you find yourself ranting about at dinner parties? (laughs) It's kind of, yeah, for me I think it's just that we've been sold a a lie and for whatever reason. And, um, you know, we know we've been sold a lie in so many, so many aspects of life and this is one that we just, you know, I don't know, role modelling is good too, Mm. you know, to be able to talk about that you're having great sex after your periods mm. have stopped. I mean, really, mm. your periods have stopped. Mm. That's all that's really – There's sure, there's some changes, but you've still got everything going on. <laughs> and even for friends and, and um, <laughs> clients of mine who've got no longer have uterus and um, ovaries and things like that because they've had hysterectomies, they can still have a beautiful sex mm. life too. It's really about being comfortable with yourself oh, and really. embodied. I think embodiment is the key, like being mm. in your mm. body. Yeah. Being in your body is what makes for great sex. And it's sex. a way to feel connection. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's pleasure, it's connection with yourself, with other people. It's like there's so many more reasons to have sex other than just to conceive um, or to, you know, look conventionally sexy. So it doesn't make sense to me that, you know, there's no reason why people should or would stop desiring sex or stop having sex at a certain age just because of hormones or just because they don't look like this conventional um, idea of beauty or sexuality anymore so yeah mm. nailed it mm. babe mm. and actually <laughs> I just remembered something as well I do remember a few years ago saying to my mum I said to her, I looked at her and I said mum I don't know if I'm ever going to want sex again right so now <laughs> however this was at a time in my life that I was I didn't even know I was in perimenopause but I just everything shut down I just wasn't interested in sex and this was because I was highly stressed 
highly, highly stressed because my partner was very sick and dying of cancer. And I just, all my energy wasn't going into that, you know. And so, yeah, I'm thank God I started wanting it again. But, but it's kind of interesting that you don't have to blame your hormones on your lack of desire and arousal and interest. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost always yeah. something else. It's some other aspect mm-hmm. of your life yeah. that needs that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And having to focus mm-hmm. on things, you know, yeah. your babies and stuff is a huge one as well, but not for everyone. I mean, you always yeah. hear of people who have lots of babies all in a row because they are horny after, you know, we're all different. But yeah, having that, <laughs> knowing that lack of libido isn't always hormonal is a really, really good thing for people to just take in and let it sink in rather than yeah rather than just assume yeah because you know i have male clients come to me and say that they've got no libido they'll go off i'll send them off to get a test just to make sure they've got their testosterone's fine it's just that other things have have gotten their way you know and they need to come back into their body yeah 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 absolutely Oh, beautiful. Well, how about we end the epi on a TMI story? Because I know <laughs> sure. you got the goods. Okay, so how do I begin on this one? Okay, so I've got a good story because I think you have shared another good one um, with your audience before and I've got a few it's hard for me to say TMI because most of the time I am fully like telling people the wrong thing all the time anyway. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. But this one is back in when I lived in when I lived in New York and um had this beautiful lover and we he must have I think he was the one who introduced me to anal sex and we'd had anal sex a few days before. And we were just kind of hanging out in his, in his bedroom in his loft in Brooklyn and I found a little sesame seed on the bed and I just kind of licked my finger and picked it up and popped it in my mouth and as I bit into the sesame seed I realised <laughs> that it had been through my body oh. and out the other side because <laughs> it was just poo. <laughs> it was like I bit into a sesame seed oh but it God. just was poo and it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Because oh. you know how sesame seeds what do that. What did it taste like? Just tasted like poo. How did you know? You were just like, that tastes like poo. It smell. was just like, that I mean, was I've not the sesame seed. Yeah, I don't know how we know, but we, you know it, I promise you. <laughs> Must be innate or something. But yeah. Oh, so yeah. That. But yeah, because you know sesame seeds, if you don't chew them properly, I think they come through whole. But yes, they. they totally, yeah. Yep. So there's a little TMI for you, a story that I don't think I've told anyone before. (laughs) Well, I and the listeners are very grateful and honoured that you felt uh, to share that now. I'm sure (laughs) that was an absolute doozy. Oh, my God. Worst night. That's nightmare fuel, that is. Um, Awesome, though. Good on you. I want to remind – so that I shared – I'm pretty sure I shared your other story, Heidi, on an episode I did with Melissa – Vranges on having a oh, difficulty orgasming with a partner. I'm pretty sure it was that episode and it was um, so fucking good. I mean, would you mind sharing it again just so that we have a little bonus one in case people didn't hear it? Hey, me again. 
If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte, because I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned, And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. The finger sniffing on? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> my late man had this thing where we'd either like he'd, he'd slide his finger down his butt crack or, you know, maybe I'd, I'd slide my finger into my, my front of my undies or wherever. But anyway, so we had a nice smelly finger and then we'd be in like a social setting and I'd just kind of lean over and wrap my arm around him and just wave my finger under his nose or he'd do it to me. And so, you know, you're sitting there having a <laughs> having a cup of tea with, you know, your great aunt or something and then you're smelling your your partner's finger and you can smell it's their butt crack or sweaty G-string smell or whatever. So, <laughs> and just, yeah. So is that the one that you meant? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how playful, like it's, yeah, I, I think – Anyone that's in a relationship where you can just be so silly and almost a bit juvenile, like just the crudeness and the grossness and the like, ah, like I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you sent that to me, I just laughed so hard and I told my partner. And I was a little bit worried he might start um, adopting the same strategy because we do all <laughs> sorts of stuff like that as well. <laughs> yeah, but, lots yeah, of. I had to share it with him because I knew he'd find it. particularly juvenile I think we were and I haven't met any guy like this since but you know you'd catch a fart in your hand and throw it at the the other's face and you know all that kind of stuff oh my god we do that (laughs) oh we literally play like we'll like fart in hand then he'll sprinkle it on my pancakes or something or like he'll (laughs) fart and then throw it at me and I'll like pretend that I've like caught it like a basketball and like spin it on my finger and then like volleyball it back or like hit it with a tennis racket and we kind of just have like this fart tennis going on that we we try to come up with creative ways of throwing fart and he's even he's even <laughs> have you seen avatar like the last airbender he's decided no, yeah. that he's gonna behave like a fart bender um and he'll like stand in this stance and and fart in his hand and then sort of whoosh his arms around his body in this kind of like very um avatar-esque or dragon ball z-esque kind of way and then like you know zoom it over to me like a <laughs> like a an airbender but a fart bender anyway you probably have to have seen the show to get that reference but fuck it's funny so yeah i feel like we have a very similar uh humor dynamic in our relationship to what it sounds like you guys had <laughs> yeah yeah juvenile's just the, the operative word here i think but um yeah gotta keep it light <laughs> <laughs>
It's fun. It's fun. All right. Well, where can the listeners find your work? Because you have awesome, yeah, you've got an Instagram account with awesome content. You do really great work in the world. So what do you want to plug? Yeah. So I'm at True Intimacy, so true.intimacy. And, um, yeah, my niche is kind of helping couples who aren't having sex start having sex again and individuals who aren't having sex. So, you know, working with shutdown and physical shutdown like vaginismus and things like that as well. Mm. Um, men who've got a lot of stuff at the moment. I've got a lot of male clients who've been shamed by their partner and therefore, you know, like maybe one or once or twice didn't get an erection and then suddenly then they've been shamed in some way mm. by their partner and it's become a thing. So working to undo that because yeah. I really do think that women can be pretty insensitive in bed actually. Um, yes. Yes. So that's where you can find me um, and my website's HeidiTrue.com. So that's another place you can find Beautiful. me. All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Heidi. Thank you. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.